Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Let's go run a marathon. We'll be like, dude, like, I can't do that. Bullshit. It's that you won't do that. And so I tell people, like, whenever they say that they can't, like, slap yourself in the face. Before I get to my guest today, uh, I want to reminisce. Today is the one-year anniversary of the tragic, tragic loss of Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and seven others. And I want to take you back to what that day was like for me and so many others uh, in the NBA. I was on the team bus. We have two buses. And the team had just finished practicing in Chicago. And the bus that I was on was, there were probably at that time, seven or eight people on the bus. I saw players walking out and getting onto the, what they call the first bus. And then uh, more people walked onto my bus and somebody turned around about three rows in front of me and go, did you see the news on Kobe? Is that true? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And all he said was, look at your phone. And I started looking at the phone, and information was coming in. Uh, Nothing was, I guess, for sure. There were just rumors, and you got to be very careful in this day and age about the source. And then the bus started going to the airport, and as we were driving to Chicago Midway Airport, uh, it became very apparent that even though there was conflicting information, that there was indeed a helicopter crash and that Kobe Bryant was on the helicopter and had perished. And when we arrived at Midway Airport, uh, the players got off the first bus with the coaches and they walked up the stairs to the jetway and then it was our turn to walk up the stairs enter the aircraft and I've talked about this on a prior podcast but walking onto that airplane and the the silence the mood uh, every single player was in their seat There was no talking. There was no movement. 
It was just eerie silence on the airplane. Then I walked past the coaches, and I saw Luke Walton with his customary baseball hat on. And I could see the sadness in his face and the tears, and I just put my hand on his shoulder and continued to walk down the fuselage of the aircraft. There was nobody getting up to get appetizers or hors d'oeuvres or anything else. Uh, It was a somber, somber, somber ride to Minneapolis. And the next night, the Kings had a game in Minnesota, and there was the pregame moment of silence, the video tribute. Uh, I remember getting prepared uh, for the telecast and figuring out, you know, how we were going to cover this. And, of course, you know, Doug played against Kobe Bryant for all of those years and had so many memorable matchups, the Kings-Lakers rivalry. And I've said this, there are – there's not another player that I covered in 32 years that did more damage to the Sacramento Kings' hopes and put daggers in their hearts than Kobe Bryant. Nobody. I mean, he's at the top of the list. You know, you could say Robert Ory with the shot, but that was one shot. Kobe Bryant did it year after year after year after year. And I tell the story about Kobe's last game – uh, in Sacramento, and I was on the floor doing my radio show, and, you know, Kobe was one of the first to arrive and, you know, starts walking across the court and then walks right in front of me, and I was on the radio live, and I go, Kobe. I go, Kobe, I'm on the air live. I just want to thank you and uh, tell you how much, um, you know, it was a privilege and an honor to announce your games and watch you play. And we he shook his hand out and goes, hey, thank you very much, and eye contact. I mean, it was just immense respect. And I'm so happy that I even had that brief moment uh, with Kobe Bryant. But uh, January 26th, 2020, and we lost Kobe and we lost his daughter and uh, seven others. And again, when I think of Kobe Bryant, uh, I just think of the ultimate, ultimate competitor and somebody that just gave the Kings and their fans more misery than any other player in the history of the NBA. So I wanted to start off today's podcast by just talking about Kobe and uh, what a legacy, what what an unbelievable competitor, what an unbelievable basketball player. Today's podcast is brought to you by Roy's Umbrella. Buying a home, looking to do a refi, go to roysumbrella.com. Roy is awesome. I've worked with him for a number of years, and Roy does other things as well. I got a nice email from a listener of the podcast that said that they went to roysumbrella.com and uh, contacted Roy and ended up using uh, them for his estate planning. Uh, There are so many things that Roy can do for you. He's an amazing broker, uh, and again, I've used him for my home loans. Uh, He is outstanding. No gimmicks, no hidden charges at the end. Uh, They do business uh, the way I want business done. I mean, they're very upfront. Uh, It's a pleasure dealing with them, and you will love it as well. Just go to roysumbrella.com for all of your home loan needs. That's roysumbrella.com. My guest today played 11 years in the big leagues. You see him on MLB Network. He founded an amazing foundation called 
let them play, and he backed it up by doing a triathlon across America. He swam from San Francisco to Oakland, seven miles, got on a bike and rode to Chicago, and then ran from Chicago to New York City. An amazing story, an amazing guy. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome to the show Eric Burns. Burnsy, how the hell are you? Grant, thanks for having me on. I'm doing very well, and I'd just like to say, because you mentioned the tri across America, there was a handful of people that I felt like really got behind it and got excited about it. And I felt like you were at the forefront, man. Like I can't, I, I, to have that support, it was beyond awesome because you're out there, you're grinding every day. And you know, it's just little things like the, the, the encouraging tweets to just to keep going things and, and sharing it and getting the let them play message out there. I like that was, that was so cool, dude. I well, mean, I, 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 I really appreciate that. Well, I appreciate that, man. It was so awesome to follow you. I even had you on when I was hosting the Jim Rome show. You were somewhere in freaking Wyoming or something. And I, I just got such a, a, an appreciation for, for what you did and why you did it. So let's start back with why you did it. I know why you did it, but there are some people listening right now that, that need to be educated a little bit. So g- give me the background of, of why you said, you know what, okay, this is something that I'm going to do. Yeah, so basically what happened is my, you know, my wife and I, for the, the longest time, we've always been really passionate about kids and youth activity. And it started when we were looking to put our kids into school, and we realized that there wasn't a public school in our area or even close to our area that had everyday physical education. And so, you know, fortunately, we were in a position um, to be able to send our kids to private school. But then, obviously, you start thinking about all the other kids that and parents that can't afford that. And it just, you know, immediately in, in, in our minds, you know, it's not right. And we wanted to do something about it. And so when I got done playing baseball, somehow got into <laughs> ultra-endurance sports. It was like one sprint triathlon ended up leading to doing Ironman, which ended up leading to doing 100-mile runs, which ended up leading into this across-country triathlon. Uh, and, and it was funny because we talked about actually running across the country. And then as we were kind of putting the thing together and running from town to town and raising money and doing that and then delivering these grants, and we, just, and we realized how long that would take. And so if we were to make a cross-country trip with a family, we'd have to figure out a way to get there faster. And so we concocted this seven-mile swim across the bay, San Francisco Bay, from at t Park to Alameda, and then this 2,400-mile bike from Oakland to Chicago, in which we were doing you know 100 to 150 miles a day, and then a 905-mile run from Chicago to, to New York City, which ended up being you know 30 plus miles a day on that, and it was it was a trip, man. I think it was a lot more than you know I. I I, I even expected, I knew it was going to be uh, pretty heavy, but you know, the impact that we were able to make when we go into towns, whether it be Stockton or Sacramento, we ended up going, Utah was a, Salt Lake was a, a, a great one where we handed out money to Rose Park Little League. And, and then all the way to the Cleveland, you know, physical education, public school physical education programs and just handed out checks, dude, like 500 to 2,500 bucks. Nothing crazy. The, the check we handed out in Sacramento was to youth Latino soccer team, the travel team. 
And they were finally able to get new balls and new uniforms with, with the money. And it was just like, you know, just see their faces, dude. Like, it was like, that was it. Like, that was that was what kept me charging. And I was just, yeah, it was pretty awesome. You know, Bernsey, there are people that talk to talk. There are people that walk to walk. You've always walked to walk, man. I have so much respect and admiration for you. The lack of physical fitness in our youth is becoming such a huge issue. Child obesity, and I can go on and on. How truly serious of a problem is this in our country, Bernsey? Well, you know, Grant, now it's it's even worse than it was. Because if the kids weren't getting out and, 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 you know, getting this everyday PE, you know, even when they were in school, now that they're out of school, most of these kids aren't doing shit. That's awful, like, man. I, I can even tell you. Wow. Well, you know, with my with my own kids and I and I love them dearly and they're super active and you know they I mean dude, we live we live on a ski mountain they get, they go to ski team five days a week and my boy plays you know baseball you know even during the winter we're getting out there uh, you know a couple days and that you know the girls ride horses and everything else but kid look I I mean I again we're, we're fortunate dude we're able to put our kids into into and let them do these things but other families are not. And you, so you know what's easy to give a, to give them a screen. That's easy, and then they disappear into Fortnite and all the other roadblocks and whatever else. And and that's easy. And that's the and you know I get it. Like we're all everyone's everyone's dealing with a, a new normal right now, but we got to figure out a way to continue to 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 get the kids active and keep them playing. And that's why the California shutdown of youth sports ha- has has been awful and, and you're not only you know deteriorating the physical health of these kids but it's mentally what it's doing to them and 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 you know depression being at an all-time high and uh you know it, it it's really 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 irresponsible and dangerous it's a travesty to shut down the kids the way we have it's a period. travesty Bernsey. it's an absolute travesty i mean and grant i i, I it's like there's very few things, you know, in my life, and I'm a, I'm a relatively excitable guy, but there's very few things that, like, make me angry. I feel like, you know, ever since my dad passed away in 2011, and I've got into the ultra-endurance world and started doing all this stuff, and, you know, I, I, ironically, at the same time, you know, my dad was, like, a really – he was a really forward thinker. He, he He's always was somebody – that was that was figuring out a way to optimize his life and our our life a, as well, and you know so he really he got me into like some a far eastern approach to and number one sport like sports psychology and just kind of a far eastern approach to life, and we got into I also got into some you know stoic philosophy things, control the things within our control, you know let go of the things that aren't, you know momento mori. Uh, we all will die. Amor fati, which is love our fate. You know, all these things are were basically laid out. You know, not not to scare you, even the momentum mori. It's just a reminder that you know one day you know our time here will end. And and, and so you know what 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 I'm getting at here is that you know I, I feel like I've done a really good job of being able to control my emotions, and this is still the one area that like the purest rawest fucking anger uh, is incited within me and 
And like you said, it's a travesty. Like it is disgusting what we're doing to our kids by locking them inside. And on top of it, and I, I get the whole pandemic thing. I get like I'm not immune to it. Like my college roommate, like, get that my college roommate died of COVID. So like this is, you know, this is something that like I know it's fucking real, man. Right. But at the same time, all of these shutdowns, they haven't done shit. So when you're sticking people in rooms and inside for hours, we're breaking down our immune system. And you're breaking down your immune system and you're not rebuilding it. And you rebuild it through activity. You rebuild it through social interaction. Like, and, and, and you know, what this has done, it's sad. And I just, I, 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 I really pray to God that, that, something, that something changes here in the near, near future. That Gavin Newsom was able to see the let them play rallies that went on all over the state of California. Now, we weren't directly affiliated with those rallies. It was actually orchestrated by high school sports programs, but we 100% stand behind their message. Bernsey, I love you, man. I just love your passion. I love the fact that you're a doer. I love the fact that you don't just sit on the sidelines, man. I have so much respect for you for what you are trying to do. I'm thinking about the, the health issues that this generation is going to face when they become adults. I keep on thinking about the domino effect of our youth not being physically fit and, and, and I got to tell you, Bernsey, you know, uh, like you, I played sports all my life, although not on the professional level. Uh, I'm 61 years old. And again, I'm not saying me, me, me here, but I got up, I swam for 30 minutes today. Then I went on a five mile walk this afternoon. I was in the weight room. I feel blessed that I'm able to do that, Bernsey. I can't imagine my childhood. I can't imagine growing up without the ability to go outside and play and play sports. And, and, and so I'm asking you, what the hell is the solution? How are we going to get out of this? How are we going to turn this? The, the, the tide how are we going to do this well I, I think it starts with the parents and as, as much as we want to blame lack of, of activity on on schools and on on the government you know that that's easy to do but I, look so when court when quarantine hit at, at the very beginning uh right at the end of the ski season all my kids had their championship races canceled the little league season was supposed to start right after that. That obviously was canceled, and I was stuck inside for you know x amount of days and <laughs> doing doing uh really really I mean that's <laughs> we can get into this later, but building a business right. And here I was every single day, and I had my own kids um, that I felt that I had a responsibility to get them active. So we created a daily hustle chart of several activities. It was like one mile run, you know, 50 push-ups, 100 sit-ups, 50 dopamine jumps. I forget the exact list of, of what it was uh, that they had to complete every single day until they, then their, their reward was that at the end of the day, when it was all said and done at night, they could watch their favorite show or they could turn on their screens or play a video game or, or whatever. So, but they had to go through that checklist every single day. Now, I don't care if, if you have a hundred million in the bank or you have a hundred dollars in the bank. That's not hard to do. Right. Anybody can create a, a list like that. And then the other thing was, you know, my kid with the miss and the baseball and everything, you know, we went out. And for a while, I was keeping track. And, and I lost track, I think, when it got over 100. 
Um, but we were playing quarantine baseball is, is what we called it. And this is how I learned how to play the game. It was with a tennis ball and, and a regular bat. And I would go into the front yard and I would fire the tennis ball as hard as I can against the garage. And, it, and basically like force the kid to, to learn how to hit and, and to learn how to hit cheddar cheese. And he's, sure. you know, I, I guess at the time he was eight and, you know, he's now nine, <laughs> but right. it's, it's pretty incredible, you know, what that did for him. And once again, like, I, I don't want to hear anything about, well, you know, you can't do this. Goes, Bro, it, like it was a tennis ball and a baseball bat. That was it. So there's no, there's no huge cost. <laughs> right. Um, behind behind these things but you have to have a, a parent that that's motivated that's willing to take the the time energy and effort to to make sure and and, the, and have the discipline and then have the ability to enforce the discipline if it's not done which isn't always the easiest thing to do but you know down the road they're going to thank you for it. Bernsey, the vast majority of people listening to this or people in general if they jumped into the San Francisco Bay, they wouldn't make it past center field. You swim all the way to Oakland, you bike to Chicago, and then you run to New York. And I hope you don't think this is a stupid question, but is that harder to do from a physical perspective or a mental perspective? Or are they both the same when you're doing a, a triathlon across the country? Yeah, you know what's funny? is like, I mean, the easy answer is... <laughs> The easy answer is a mental perspective, right? Like you're hopping in a bay, you're swimming seven miles, you're going, you know, I had a, a juvenile great white shark swim right underneath me about 500 yards from shore. Uh, you, you know, you get on this bike, we're doing this crazy mileage every single day. You know, physically, the swim about three hours in got really tough because the, the current changed. And, and I, I, dude, I felt like I was fucking swimming backwards. And, and it, <laughs> wow. it, it was like, and, and it's funny because right. if you watch, if you watch the documentary and, and yeah. there's a documentary out, it's called let them play. You find it on any platform, basically. It's amazing. Um, if, if you watch the documentary, you'll, there's a part in the documentary where it looks like I was swimming backwards. Yes. And then I finally, I like, I, when I saw that clip, I'm like, I fucking told you so. I was swimming backwards, and it, right. and it was it was the it was the ebb tide, like going back out towards towards the Golden Gate Bridge, and that last you know I don't know it was like forty minutes in the water uh, were just brutal. Uh, once I got on the bike, physically it was it was it was fine. Um, you know, it, it, we we hammered some long days, and it was hot, really hot, all through Nevada, through the desert there, and then I remember talking to you in Wyoming. And, and where I talked to you, we were actually on dirt roads. So I picked up a cross bike. So it was, was riding, you know, we did 100 miles that day, like all on dirt. But we were able to, because of the terrain, it's like a hard packed dirt, we were able to make some pretty decent time. And then it really wasn't until fourth day on the run where physically it just got unbearable. And that was, you know, I, I first day on the run, I ran 30 miles, 30, jeez. 30-something, maybe like 31 or 32 miles. Next day, ran, you know, probably about the same distance. That's unbelievable. You're I running a marathon every day. That's, that's unfathomable. People are listening to this and going, wait a minute. He's basically running a marathon every day. That's just unheard of. Yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely, like, people have done this before. Like, you know, the long distance running over and over. It's just it's not a big group. and but So, yeah, most people have a, a, a <laughs> right. tough time co comprehending it. 
the, the third day, I think it was, though, uh, we, I ran 38 miles into Notre Dame. And I wanted to get there, like, just as the sun was setting. And I wanted to get there that night just because I wanted to get to Notre Dame, right? Right. And then I, I did get there just as the sun was setting off the Golden Dome. Wow. So majestic. So cool. And the next day, I could barely move. And it was just like, you know, the toll of not running at all for a month and just cycling. My endurance was fine. So, you know, the, the idea of, of, of going out there and being able to, you know, stay control of the heart rate and all the other stuff, it was just my body, my, my Achilles was jacked and bad. And so the next day after that, I got up and it's just like, you know what, like, I'm going to do what I have to do to keep going. And I, and I just started, I started walking and then I, I you know, once, once I, I felt a little better, got the blood flowing, I started like a really, really slow jog. And then this day, and I, once again, I think it was like the fourth or fifth day I did like 15 miles and then shut it down. And, and we had an event in South Bend. So we actually had to go back to South Bend, did an event in South Bend. And then the next day, Picked it back up, got back to like 20, and then and then slowly back up to the, the 30 a day. And what's amazing is that, like, there's any doctor that, you know, would have, you know, been there, you know, through this process, they undoubtedly would have told me to shut it down. But the, I think what surprised me was that how, how well the body recovered on its own. Like, the human body is capable and this isn't, people say this is a cliche. Oh, like we're all capable of doing so much more and yada, yada, yada. It's like, you never, you'll never fucking understand this until you put yourself through something you would never otherwise try or do. Is that what you learned and, the most? And, is, and, that, and, is that what you learned the most about yourself through through this uh, try across America? Yeah, I, I just learned that, I learned that just we as human beings are, are, are capable of, of so much more. I like I I I, I yeah, it's not just me, it, it's it's people, and so there's so often in life you have people that you'll say like, hey man, like let's go run a marathon. I'll be like, dude, like I can't do that. Bullshit. It's that you won't do that, and so I tell people like whenever they say that they can't, like slap yourself in the face. Kick yourself in the nuts. Is it that you can't do it or is it that you won't do it? <laughs> right. I, there's a huge difference between the two. If right. you won't do it, that's fine. That's, that's, that's free will. That's choice, bro. I can't help you. If you can't do it, okay. Then we'll figure something else out. And, and so in that case, like, I started that day, like, I can't run. And so, it, you know, this goes back to the, the Martin Luther King quote where it's like, if you can't, Fly, then run. You can't run, then walk. You can't walk, then crawl. But no matter what, just keep moving forward. Yep. And that's, it's one of my favorite ones of all time. It's well said. Absolutely. And it, and it, it's, it's just, it is so true that it's, you know, we just got to get, you know, we just got to keep going, going, no, no matter, no matter what. And, and if, if you put one foot in front of the other, then, you know, anything's possible and you just, and you'll be able to keep moving forward. But, you know, our human nature is like all of us psychologically shut down before we do medicine, or before we do physically. All of us. I, I, there's actually a book I read called How Bad You Want It by Matt Fitzgerald. Very interesting. But he, you know, he, he gets into the science of, of, of basically bringing, you know, your, your, your body to the, that threshold 
And the question isn't because isn't like, you know, who's who's going to crap out first. Uh, the, you know, the, the question is who can get to that threshold line and stay there the longest. Because no matter what, we're all going to quit mentally before before we physically before physically our bodies shut down. You have the most amazing passion. You are you've always been a, a glass half full guy. You've never been a glass half empty. You when you decide you're going to do something, you're all in and you give it everything you've got. And you're working on a endeavor now called No Filter. What's that about? Yeah, well, so uh, give you the abbreviated version. A few years ago, I was at MLB Network. I was in a in, a, in my office, and Gigi from the social media team comes in. And I'm with Paul Severino and Carlos Pena. Paul Severino is a broadcaster. He's now play-by-play guy for Marlins. And she's like, hey, she's like, do you mind if I, I film you guys and put you guys up on Facebook Live as you watch a World Series game? And we're all three of us were going on air right after the game. Like, yeah, whatever. So imagine, like, three dudes sitting in an office just watching the game, naturally reacting, or reacting to – you know, the, whatever's going on in the World Series. And it's like, you know, all of a sudden it's kind of started slow and whatever. And there was like, oh, like the guy missed the ball in the outfield. I'm like, did you see that first step? And he stepped back and didn't step back and get the jab step. He would have been able to come in and catch that ball. And then Carlos sees something. And he's like, oh, look at his swing. You see what he did? And he's up there and he's like showing it. And we got super excited about it. And I guess we were playing the camera a little bit, but it really wasn't much different than what we would have been doing had like three dudes just been sitting there. So. Sure. Fast forward uh, about a year, and I run into my neighbor who happened to be the CEO of High Five Technologies, which is a video conferencing company in SoCal Valley. They're more of a B2B play kind of Zoom-esque. And he asked me, he's like, yo, dude, I know you're a broadcaster. He goes, but he goes, do you ever wish you had, like, different broadcasting options? I go, like, what do you mean? He goes, like, different broadcasters calling the game. I said, of course, yeah, it's all the time. He goes, well... He goes, you know, my son David, he works for a semi-pro basketball team in Canada. He doesn't like the French broadcast, or he doesn't like the English broadcast. We listen to the French, the French broadcast, but he doesn't really like that either. He's like, Dad, I just wish we had options. He's like, is there any way we could create something like that? And so Joe, he's like, he's like, what do you think? You think it would work? And I'm like, bro, you have no idea. And I told him all about my story at MLB Network and, and how much of a huge shit it was. This thing, the, the Facebook Live went on. And literally, dude, we, we did 10x what we normally would do at the network with putting something on social like How that. about that? It, wow. it, it absolutely slaughtered it. Wow. And so in our minds, what we realized is that people no longer wanted to hear two dudes in suits and ties with somebody in their ear telling them what they can and cannot say. People wanted authenticity. They wanted truth. And, you know, that's. That was the creation of No Filter Network. And so fast forward a little bit of time, I knew my contract with MLB was, was, was up in a year. I was in the last, my last year of the deal last year. And Joe had just sold his company or was in the process of, of, of selling High Five, which they eventually uh, merged with Dialpad. Um, and we incorporated the business, raised a, raised a bunch of money, hired an unbelievable tech team. And, you know, here we are, uh, I guess, probably about a year later, almost a one year anniversary of No Filter Network. And what we've, we've created is the most interactive live streaming platform on the market with 
next level monetization capabilities. So we've always said we're democratizing the broadcast industry. And, you know, I truly believe, you know, whether you say the broadcast industry or digital entertainment, we really believe we've done that. And it and it's it's a, a kick ass platform. I mean, we have all these different categories like sports, entertainment, instructional, lifestyle, fitness, politics, food and drink, you name it. And and eventually, you know, our, our whole concept and motto is anybody anytime. And and so, you know, from day one, anybody will be able to come on and, and apply to become a no filter broadcaster. And when you create a show, like it, it's, it's so cool. It's so easy where basically you go on there, you're like, all right, let's just, you, you know, stay on the sports side of things. If I'm, I'm going to call an A's game and, and we're going to sit down and for three hours, I'm going to watch the A's game and you're going to get me walking around, pacing around with a bat in my hand, you know, screaming at the TV at times, you know, maybe, maybe sitting down and eating at times, like who knows, right? Sure. But you're going to get this authentic live reaction um, that is now interactive because what, what happens is people can knock and then when they knock, then I can let them into the broadcast. And, and that was the whole concept of calling it a knock because you knock like you're coming in the broadcast booth, right? So now you have two people on and they can ask you a question and be like, dude, Burns, you're full of shit, man. You really <laughs> think that he, you know, you really think he should have taken that pitch with a fastball right down the middle. I'm like, yeah, but Johnny, it's 3-0, you're down by two in the ninth inning. Like, you got to, you can't swing at that shit. <laughs> you know, that, like, like whatever it is. So I this becomes, it. you know, yeah, there's a whole cast <laughs> function and, and everything else. So, but you create it and it goes, you, you literally go, you, know, you name the event. So let's just say A's home opener. A's home opener. You say, you set the time, set the date. You set the amount of tickets that you want. And I'm like, you know what? I, I'm getting my feet wet with this thing. I, I'm going to, I'm going to go hundred tickets. You get right now, you could we could have up to a thousand, um, but I'm just going to go hundred tickets. And eh, I mean, there's only a hundred tickets. I mean, you know, screw it. I'm going to charge 20 bucks and you, you, who knows? Maybe nobody buys it, right? Sure. Maybe, maybe I sell out all hundred, but you're creating, it's like a supply and demand thing. I love and you've got to figure out what the, you know, what that number is to, to work it out. So yeah. Anyway, long story love short, it. all this, we have, yeah, we have about 30 or 40 ambassadors that we're, we're bringing on and, and, and you being one of them grant, we, like we, Love to get you on the platform and, and get you creating content. And, I'm sold, You know, man. whether it's watch, watching a Kings game or anything else. I'm sold. Hey, uh, before I let you go, I had Dusty Baker on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and we talked about a wide range of things. We talked about, you know, what happened in the World Series with Cash taking out Snell, and we talked about Dusty leaving Granky, and we talked about managing by the book. And then I told him, I said, you know, Dusty, when the pandemic first hit, the MLB Network were playing games that – that I brought back so many memories. I was watching the Dodgers Yankees from the 77 and then the 78 world series. And as I was watching those games, Bernsey on the MLB network, it made me realize how much I missed the way the game was played. Does it bother you right now? The way the game is played. And again, I know I'm generalizing, but it's either you hit a home run or you strike out. I'm looking at a guy like you, Bernsey, who hustled your ass off every single time you're on the field. You're always taking the extra base. You're always moving runners over. I, I just don't see enough of that now. Are you bothered by the way the game's played? Not bothered by it. I, I, I'm not as entertained as I think that, you know, I could be. And I think one of the big issues is just the ball not being in play. Right. Like that's, you know, that I think that the game is as, is as athletic as, as it's ever been. I, I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of things, a lot of great things about the game. I think the, you know, 
the mar- the marketing of the game, the you know between the the, the, vid- the video games and everything else, like you know people, there's so many different avenues. The way you can watch a game, you watch it on an iPad, you know, the, it, it it just I, I think it's, it's super cool. There's there's a lot of great things going on with the game of baseball. The the actual play on the field, guy, look, guys are hitting the ball further, guys are throwing the ball harder, and you know I've always been a huge proponent to you know making the best like creating the best product possible and i think there's ways that we literally could can can make the game better and I, I starting with if you were telling me like a simple solution right now because i kind of like you said like i don't like to just you know talk about something without you know providing some sort of you know alternative but we got we got to lower the bounds first of all and, and and then you know hopefully if we do that then I think that we'd be able to all of a sudden create angles where it's it's easier to get on top of the baseball. And the issue is people are swinging at balls underneath them, underneath them, underneath them. And so when that happens, it's just like, man, like, geez, you know, we see the problem. We know what the issue is. It's not even so much velocity and the ball going by guys. But it's these, these angles that are, that are being created with the velocity, so it's a combination. So I just think that you know ultimately, you know what, what we'd like to see is I don't no, I don't necessarily believe in having to get the ball or remove the mound back, but we have to do whatever we can to to, to try to get the ball back in play. Bernie, man, I have absolutely loved having you on this podcast, and I'm so happy that we talked about your foundation and some of the issues that are really facing our youth because that's really important. I mean, yeah. Baseball is fun and we love watching it, but man, what's going on in our country with uh, the lack of physical fitness, the lack of opportunities for our children? It is such a big problem, and I'm, I'm so glad that you are in the forefront. I'm so happy that you give a damn, that you care, and are, are bringing this uh, into more light because it needs it, man. You're the best. I genuinely thank you for coming on the show, man. You're the best. Grant, thanks, man. appreciate you having me on, dude. Man, that is good stuff. I love his passion uh, and what Eric Burns is trying to do with his foundation. Just a phenomenal conversation, and I really thank Burnsy for joining me here on the podcast. All right, it is time now for our Q&A. Thanks to CrowdQuestion. If you want to ask me a question, just go to CrowdQuestion.com and sign up. It's easy. takes a minute, and maybe I'll answer your question right here on the podcast. Bobby wants to know, can Dwayne Haskins be a good fit for replacing Big Ben. Bobby, please don't put Dwayne Haskins and Big Ben in the same sentence. That's not fair. Dwayne Haskins has done nothing, okay? Absolutely nothing in his brief NFL career. Now, I'm not saying that he can't play in the NFL, but I don't have a crystal ball. But there's nothing that Haskins has done and did in Washington that would lead me to believe that he can be the guy uh, in Pittsburgh. But again, he's young. Maybe this will be exactly what he needs, get knocked down, maybe a change of scenery. Uh, I love Mike Tomlin. I think he's just a spectacular coach. I, I have so much respect for the Pittsburgh Steelers organization and their front office and their, their coaching. But uh, Dwayne Haskins has got a long way to go. I wouldn't put him in the same category as uh, Big Ben. All right? All right. Hey, Grant, if you're the Niners, would you trade Bosa or another big piece for Deshaun Watson or Stafford. I would not trade Bosa for Stafford. Uh, I would trade Bosa for Deshaun Watson. 
because I think Deshaun Watson is one of the top five quarterbacks in the National Football League. And as much as I love Bosa, and I think he is just a, a spectacular player, you know, you win and lose in the NFL, generally speaking, with quarterback play. And Deshaun Watson, to me, uh, is the real deal. Lance goes, uh, is Hank Aaron or Barry Bonds the home run king in your book? Well, in my book, it's Hank Aaron. But in the book that counts, okay, it's Barry Bonds. I mean, I look at Hank Aaron uh, as the home run king, not Bonds. But, you know, that's just me. And, you know, I had Marcus Breton on of the uh, Sacramento Bee uh, back in the fall. We talked about this and whether Bonds will be in the Hall of Fame. And uh, But to me, uh, it is Hank Aaron. I'd be curious, what about you? What about others? Let me know. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at Grant Napier Show. Uh, Bonds or Aaron, who do you have as the home run king? All right, David wants to know, is uh, Tom Thibodeau on his way to turning around the Knicks? Not ready to go there just yet, all right? I'm not ready to go there just yet. I've seen a lot of improvement. Uh, Tibbs is doing a really nice job with that team, particularly on defense. I'm not ready to go there just yet. But I'll tell you this, based on what we've seen in previous seasons, uh, it's definitely been uh, a big improvement. Big improvement. Hey, Grant, will you be having more current pros on the podcast? I love the Robbie Gold interview. Thank you, Brad. I appreciate you listening. And uh, the goal is, yeah, I sure hope so. Absolutely. Derek wants to know, who do you think is the best player in the NBA? To me, the best player in the NBA is LeBron James. All right? He's the Tom Brady of the NBA. He's in the NBA Finals every year. And he just keeps on going. And I don't see the guy slowing down. He's the best player in the NBA. I don't even think it's close, and I really mean that. LeBron James, to me, is the best player in the NBA. Reed has a very interesting question. At this point, is Tom Brady the greatest Bucks quarterback of all time? Well, Brad Johnson won a Super Bowl, beat the Raiders, but, I mean, yes, at this point. I mean, it's not Trent Dilfer, right? He was in Tampa before he left to go win a Super Bowl in Baltimore. So, yeah, I, I would think yes. And that's an excellent, excellent question. Uh, Jay wants to know, do I agree with Shaq's criticism of Donovan Mitchell? No, I do not. Mitchell's just starting his fourth year. The guy's an all-star. He's a hell of a player. Uh, I do not agree with Shaq, you know, saying that, you know, he needs to take his game up to the next level and he can't, you know, no, I do not agree with that. I'll take Donovan Mitchell uh, on my team uh, any day of the week. Uh, Christian says, do you ever get tired of sports? I don't get tired of sports, okay? I do, I am starting to get tired of where sports is heading, all right? I've, I've been very consistent about this, and I'm not changing my mind, okay? I do not like the political and social, and I'll use the word here, interference with entertainment. I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of it. I've, I've used this analogy. I do not want to go to Broadway and have the actors and actresses come out before the performance and give me their political beliefs and social beliefs and so on and so forth. That's not why I'm going to a play, all right? I'm going to be entertained. I do not want that in my sports. Now, has it made me not watch sports? I, I won't go that far. Okay, but I am not turning the games on until they actually start. 
In other words, I do not turn the game on until the ball is either in the air or you get the point. All right? I'm, I'm, I'm turning on the game for the game. That's it. That's why I watch sports. That's It's entertainment for me. It's to get away from the real world. And I'm not oblivious, and I'm not saying that the issues facing our society are not very important. I get it. I, absolutely. I've talked about it very often on this podcast, okay? You know, I, I, I don't know what else I can say. I, I've always believed in, in making the community that you live in and, and better and helping out others that are less fortunate. I, that's That's been my whole life. So, yes, and, and I, I understand the inequality that's facing our country. I understand the racial divide. I understand all of that, okay? I'm not saying I'm an expert on it, but I'm not naive to it. And when I say I'm not an expert on it, I can only walk in my shoes. I can't walk in the shoes of somebody else. I can try to sympathize with them. I can try to have compassion. I can try to be educated. But, I mean, you understand where I'm going here? I understand we got a lot of issues facing this country, but I don't want it in my games. I don't want to turn on a game and and face that. That's not why I'm watching sports. So I hope that answers your question. And thank you very much for the questions. Thanks to CrowdQuestion. And again, go to CrowdQuestion.com. It's time for Rant. 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 Today's rant is brought to you by New Works Plumbing, locally owned in Sacramento for 20 years. Leak detection, water line repair, bathroom plumbing. New Works Plumbing is a full-service plumbing solution. No matter how small or how large your plumbing problems, they've got a fix for you. And their expert technicians are available 24-7 for all of your plumbing needs. Just go to NewWorksPlumbing.com, N-E-W-W-R-X-Plumbing.com. Well, tomorrow, the Memphis Grizzlies were supposed to play the Chicago Bulls. It is the 21st postponement of NBA games, and the season is just about a month old. The season began on December 22nd, all right? It's January 26th, 21 games. Washington has had six games postponed. Memphis has had six games postponed. So my question to the NBA, and I've been talking about this for a long time because I said there's no way in the world they're going to be able to pull this off. Now, I don't know what the definition of pulling this off is when it comes to having a complete season. But here we are, all right, basically five weeks into the NBA season, and we've had 21 postponements. And if you look at COVID around the country, the numbers are not declining. The numbers continue to escalate, and it still is a big-time issue in this country. And if you believe that the athletes are not going to, quote-unquote, cut the line to get vaccinated, then there are still going to be a lot of COVID outbreaks in the NBA. So my question is, how the hell are you going to make up all of these games? All right? They only did the first half of the schedule, and this is one of the reasons. Are you going to extend the season? A couple of weeks. I mean, again, we're one month and, and a couple of days into the season and you got 21 games postponed. What happens if by the end of the second month, you've got 40 games that need to be made up? And again, already Memphis and Washington have six games postponed. How's that going to work? Like, how are you going to have a equitable season? How are you going to determine the playoffs? In other words, how is all of this going to work? And again, I give the NBA a lot of credit for trying to pull this off, but I've been very, very consistent with this. Not going to happen. 
And when I mean it's not going to happen, there's not going to be any fairness, in my opinion, to this season. I don't understand how you're going to do it. Memphis and Washington, how are you going to make up six games already in five weeks? Are you going to just add an extra two weeks to the regular season and have the teams that had their games postponed play? What about the other teams? Then what are they going to be doing? They're going to be taking two weeks off? Uh, Listen, good luck to the NBA. I don't understand how this is going to work. And with Major League Baseball right around the corner, if there's no... You know, if, if you're not having baseball players vaccinated, you're going to have, you know, a, a traveling party of 50 people travel all over the country, go in and out of hotels, and you know what I'm talking about. How's that going to work? I just don't see it. I do not see it. Again, I give the NBA credit for trying here. I really do. But 21 games in a little over a month postponed? Come on now. And that's my rant for today. That's my podcast for today. Again, my thanks. To Burnsy, Eric Burns, for joining me. And if you like what you're listening to, do me a favor. Can you just take a moment, leave a comment, and don't forget about my rants over on YouTube. Again, the channel's the same if you don't like that with Grant Napier. Thank you so much for listening. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.